0: Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Talking Indonesia. My name is Ken Stiawan from Melbourne University's Asia Institute, and today's podcast will focus on Indonesian visual art. One of the reasons why Indonesian visual art attracts attention is the wide variety of topics, including sensitive social and political issues, that are addressed. This openness in contemporary art is often contrasted with what is considered the depoliticized art characteristic of the new order. But was visual art in Indonesia really depoliticized in those years? And how has historical trauma, in particular the events of 1965 and 66, been represented in visual art, particularly by those artists who witnessed this period? Here to discuss these issues, and more, is Dr. Wulan Dirgantoro, who is a lecturer in Art History and Theory at the LaSalle College of the Arts in Singapore. Her research interests include visual culture, gender theories, feminisms, memory and effect in contemporary art. Wulan completed her PhD at the University of Tasmania, and the book based on her dissertation, Defining Experience, Feminisms in Contemporary Art in Indonesia, will be published in the Asian Visual Cultures book series of Amsterdam University Press. Today, she will speak about her research on Indonesian visual art and artists, particularly in Bandung in West Java. Wulan, to begin with, what has triggered the interest in Indonesian visual art, particularly beyond its borders?
1: In the last 10 years or so, um, was, there's certainly there's a shift in terms of the in interest in looking at um, artistic practices outside the established um, art centres, uh, mainly in Europe and um, America, North America. So the, this shift has happened uh, pretty much way back in the 90s, but the interest in Southeast Asia just really picked up. And um, I think because of Indonesia's own, um, how do you say, strength in the visual arts in terms of its diversity and also of its um, rich cultural um, background. But moreover, I think there's also um, a sense of ambition um, by the practitioners and also the uh, people who supported um, Indonesian um, art practice, so they were able to kind of push forward um, Indonesian art um, in the in the global eyes. There's also um, helped by the interest um, in the global art world into looking um, at art practices that still retain a close connection to the cultural history um, of the of that particular region,
0: uh, and certainly yeah. Southeast
1: Asia fits the bill.
0: Wulan, while the period before 1998 is often portrayed as a period in which social and political issues couldn't be raised in Indonesian visual art, there were many artists who did. What kind of issues did they raise?
1: Their works are focused on issues that are certainly um, taboo, um, but, but You know, there were taboos and there were taboos. They were critical of the regime in terms of corruption, in terms of the, um, you know, issues such as bad uh, quality of education, um, you know, um, political brainwashing, human rights violations, certainly, and the environment.
0: What kind of reasons did Indonesian visual artists have to start raising these issues at this particular point in time?
1: Certainly in the last years, or in the last five years or so before 1998, visual artists have, um, have become really more vocal into expressing their criticism towards the New Order regime. Um, artists such as um, Heridono, Dono, Aramayani, um and also um harsono they they're starting to build up works that were more openly um critical towards the regime um and then certainly while in 1998 there was this big exhibition um Awas, sorry this is 1999 mm-hmm. um exhibition hours mm-hmm. um showcasing if you like the current practices this this works didn't just emerge or create it, I think, just for the show, but this was something that the artists have worked on uh, for a while. So Tisna Sanjaya, Agung Kurniawan, so those artists were part of this generation, basically.
0: When these artists started depicting social and political issues in their work, the New Order was still firmly in power. Freedom of expression was, as we all know, very limited, and to speak out against the regime was not without danger. So why do you think that these artists did that?
1: Certainly reformasi that's the main catalyst for that. But I think also because um, there's, the, there's a stronger sense of disillusionment um, about what's happening in Indonesia. But I, I probably have to add that this period in the late 1990s uh, for Indonesian art, these works are more accepted overseas rather than in Indonesia so as you may know that in Indonesia it's at that time it was still quite difficult to be so openly um, critical in terms of the um, visual language so this exhibition traveled overseas and certainly um, a lot of these artists uh, they were more well-known overseas than in Indonesia but right after that so I think afterwards they when they started to produce more works in Indonesia which are more critical this certainly happened um, more after 1998. I think there was a, certainly there was a window of period where um, artists can certainly um, explore or um, you know create works um, that were considered to be um, you know challenging before but if there were one thing that the one topic that were not touched or even, um, or, or very subtly alluded to, is the issue of 1965 and 1966.
0: For our listeners who are perhaps less familiar with these events, in 1965, the Indonesian military took control over the government and instigated a violent campaign against the Indonesian Communist Party and their alleged sympathizers. Large-scale killings occurred across Indonesia, while arrests and imprisonments continued long after the purge. Those arrested included many artists. Ulan, could you perhaps tell us what debates on Indonesian art were like before the events of 1965 unfolded? In the early
1: 1960s, were really about the you know about the the division of which way should um artistic practice uh, which direction should um, artists take um, in, in in terms of that time um, because there were those who were advocating that art should be for the people therefore that their uh, politics should be the um, should be the leader um, in this case but there also um, the other group um, or the other side if you like that advocated that art should apply uh, or should look into the idea of um, universality, namely that artists should be able to uh, practice um, more freely uh, without necessarily um, having or believing or following a certain line of politics, uh, and so this, too, this, this 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 kind of this debate was really um, divisive uh, for the artistic community of the time. Not, I think, not just limited to visual arts, but also in literature and films and other um, cultural um, production as well.
0: So um, you talked about how um, this debate um, limited um, uh, the artists who really wanted to make art for art's sake. Could you give a bit of an example? I mean, how, how should we imagine that period? Well, there were or there are three, um,
1: three, four main art centers in Indonesia. So, the Jakarta, oh, and, and in these cities, they were the big, um, they were the um, main art institutions, if you like Jakarta, Bandung, Jogja, and Bali. So, the debates um, really centered um, centered on, on those two issues, right? So, art as uh, art and politics, or, um, you know, art for art's sake, if you like. Now, for those artists who who considered that they should be able to practice without necessarily following certain politics, they were they felt the pressure um, from the other side, uh, and so they were not able to uh, produce works because or exhibit it in public. Uh, they but the the, the the pressure was um, quite big on them. So they were actually um, even afraid in terms of making works for themselves. Um, so they, they they didn't create as much as before. Um, and also suddenly because most of the artists, uh, most of these artists, they were also teachers. And this is quite a lot of them were based in the Bandung Art School. Um, so with the, uh, with the interview that I did with them as they were saying that they needed to be careful in terms of, um, teaching about art style or art genre that were not in line with the sentiment of the time, you know, that, that, the, the sentiment of the time that, that art must depict the people and they should be clearly sympathized uh, with the politics of the time, which was really heavily towards the um, towards the left. Um, and, and also that they were pressured to change or to alter the curriculum and they need to put in more, um, you know, sort of Soviet style aesthetics um, or history into the curriculum as well. And then they were also um, talking about um, that they are trying to push the um, the library to acquire more books on Soviet history, art history, and and aesthetics. So there was certainly that push um, that is happening inside the school. But the biggest fear is, of course, for for them is to lose their um, their job as art teachers and lecturers. That they there were there there were rumors that. Um, should the school uh, continue its, um, well, apolitical uh, perspective, if you like, then um, there's a good chance that the school might be shut down. Those fears were quite real for them. Mm. Um, there are also stories um, in terms of, you know, they were they were so uh, fearful uh, when they receive uh, boxes of paintings for exhibition. This is from... I think from the American Embassy that they were um, afraid that if they show this in the um, school gallery it will attract crowds. Mm -hmm. So they will end up um, pulling the paintings out of their um, crates and just show it to the number of people that were in the gallery and that was it. That was the the exhibition Then they put the paintings back in the crates again and sent back the crates to the American Embassy.
0: So, how did these artists respond to the events of 1965? Was there maybe some kind of relief? It was. It was really
1: interesting because when I was talking to um, some of these artists, that um, they actually couldn't remember Ken, um, what happened between um, 65 to until 1970. So there was this curious blank in their memory about what happened then. What. The, when I asked the question about, so uh, how did you feel, and um, afterwards, and were you then, um, did you start making more works now that there were no longer restriction, and they couldn't remember, and they immediately said, when they'll, well then I can tell you what happened in 1970. Um, so, after several after several more meetings and questions, and then they say, "Well yeah it was it was there was a sense of relief for us because we were able to then create more works we were able to focus on on our own artistic practice without having you know, without worrying that that um, we'll be um, censored or or um, criticized. Um, or threatened, really. That's that's what they say. But they also said that um, in not only relief, but they were also very. Uh, most of them were in disbelief about what happened. Not that they were surprised that the people who criticized them were involved or taken away um, afterwards, but it, it's more about that they didn't. They couldn't believe that they were targeted, if you like, as part of the you know um, this campaign against those who were. Uh, pro-Western so there was a there was this sense of that their trust were violated I think and they were also quite um, um, ambiguous about how they feel about that time so they were certainly quite they were certainly not sure because they I think they were never asked when I asked them so what did you do afterwards um like what how how this um, you know how the how did the killings actually um, influence you in terms of your own um, image making, and again they were not they were not able to to explore that to answer that so what they showed me then you know um, portfolio of their works what they did back then. Um, so some of them continued what they've been doing before. Uh, some of them decided not to make works and instead, um, just sort of, I would you say, so focus on other things. So doing a lot of reading, um, engaging more with other artists, just trying to build this sense of, um, I don't know, self again in this tense period but there's also some artists who then create paintings um, works that that quite um, openly joyful that um, that finally um, I can um, create works that I that that, that I can be free and there were um, some of his paintings that Showed um, figures releasing um, doves to the sky, and or you know, just together as brothers, um, but all done in um, in the style that were
0: previously uh, not not popular, if you like. So some of them certainly did respond to what happened in 1965
1: in their art. Yeah, yeah more positively, uh, but it's also very subjective. Um, they were not, um, especially after 65, there was still um, hesitation in terms of really, um, if you like, documenting or, or, or yeah, really documenting about the, the stories um, of the killings, for example. There was, I think there was really none of that um, as far as I know because um, also that we need to consider that Bandung and probably West Java in general, they didn't um, experience the intense killings like in other provinces. Um, so the, the situation also kind of, um, if you like, secure um, the artist from um, directly witnessing, if you like, but yeah. in a sense, that, that expression of um, happiness and, and joy right after the period, right after the killings of 65 and 66 in that early years by some artists is, I think, again of witnessing um, the time.
0: Wulan, it's generally assumed that under the new order, art was depoliticized. But earlier you mentioned that, in fact, in the early 1990s, political issues emerged explicitly in Indonesian art. So, to what extent can we really speak of a period of Um Well certainly
1: the idea of art in the new order as depoliticized has been um, that's the main reading of the of Indonesian art history mm. so far. but I do wonder whether um, by labeling art as depoliticized sexually um, a bit too it's a bit of an easy definition I think and also because I think I, I can understand why where and how that labels coming from but I guess I'm also interested to for for, for my um, for my research is to understand that um, in terms of um, historical trauma um, how is it possible Um, how how would you how could you define art as depoliticized where there was certainly a catalyst or a trigger uh, a trigger uh, rather for the depolitization of art practice in the first place and my my question is always centered about the idea of um could it be that that under this depolitization of art there was this under there was this stream, you know, unrealized perhaps even by the artists, and certainly by avoided by art historians of the time. Um, that were that, that that there were simply some things um, that are unrepresentable. Right. So when we look at the the characterization of art as being depoliticized, it's always things um, or works that avoided. Um, you know, strong uh, figurative content, for example, or, con- um, you know, uh, forms. So art the mas- mostly formalistic, just focusing on shapes, forms and colours. But, um, and there was, a, there, there is a sense, um, you know, there is a purpose for the artists to do this, namely that they want to open up meaning and interpretation to their works. So through the brushstrokes, through the forms and the colours they wanted to say to the audience or they wanted to make their art speak to the audience on the spiritual level. And these were the things that were simply unrepresentable visually. And of course we also need to consider the political restriction and situation of the time whereby artists were unable to um, depict this visually, these killings visually if you like. In the 1970s, there was a student movement um, all within the art school that protested against this um, formalistic paintings or formalistic style um, in paintings and other works. So um, these radical uh, avant-garde movements then um, not only challenged the um you know the the lectures and the style uh the the, the politicist style if you like and then reintroduce sociopolitical political issues introducing new material and introducing new new aesthetics but again even in this radical avant-garde groups um they um didn't couldn't mention 65 and 66.
0: Now, that certainly has changed in recent times. And I wanted to ask you to wrap up this podcast. What does freedom of expression look like? Is there enough space for Indonesian visual artists to produce the work that they want?
1: Visual arts, I think, have always been able to kind of fly under the radar. So, especially I'm, I'm thinking in light of the last year's um, controversy about the Ubud Riders Festival and also some of the screenings of, um, well, particularly uh, on the topic of 65 and 66. Now, it's interesting to contrast that with the um, exhibitions and projects that a lot of artists did throughout 2005. Um, I counted at least, there were probably at least four to five exhibitions that touch on 65 and 66. In Jakarta, Bandung, and Jokia, and um, at least five, and none of them were actually, um, you know, caught the attention of people who, uh, you know, were against these ormas really. But the um, but but the film screenings and the writers festival certainly caught the attention of that.
0: So in that sense, uh, visual artists um, actually have a, a, a lot of freedom in 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 addressing. Sometimes very sensitive issues. They do, but I think it's also a very precarious position
1: um, because they they were not, if you like, they, they were still the subject of under the same censorship scrutiny um, with other um, you know artistic practitioners, whether it's filmmakers, whether it's um, you know writers, but. Um, I think because of the unique position of visual arts um, in, in Indonesia, um, so they were able to, I think, yes, they, they were able to, to, to touch on the issues that they're still sensitive, which makes it important then for, um, Indonesian visual artists to, to continue their practice and, and, and addressing these challenging and, um, you know, taboo topics.
0: That seems like a perfect end to this podcast. Many thanks, Wulan, for your insights and for your time. You're welcome. That was Dr. Wulan Dirgantoro of the LaSalle College of the Arts in Singapore on Contemporary Indonesian Art. Look out for the next Talking Indonesia podcast with my colleague Dave McRae on the 9th of March. And a reminder, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast series at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog or subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher. Until next time, this has been the Talking Indonesia podcast.